0: Hello. Welcome to Discover Energy Work. Um, I think I swallowed up that. Welcome. Okay, my mouth's now starting to move. Actually, today's a really special day. We've got uh, Zali Hankinson. And Zali, well, you you know, Zali, you're American, but you're in Finland, which is just the most amazing country I've been there. I just absolutely loved it. Such a natural country. Are very different people to probably the people you you know from uh, United States. So Zali Hankinson, hello. You better introduce yourself because I think you'll do a better job than me.
1: Yeah, I'm Zali. I am. Yeah, I'm from America. I was born to with two foreign parents, one from England and one from Australia. Grew up in a small mountain town and ended up falling in love with a Finnish man and decided that I would stay in Finland for him. So <laughs> since I am in Finland. But yeah, I can have here, live here, have my own business, do some powerlifting, and yeah, work as a spiritual mentor.
0: Wow, um, yeah, I, well, it was interesting because um, I posted on a on a, um, a Facebook group that we're both members on that I wanted to talk to somebody who was, was psychic and had a story, and very quickly, um, you know. It's kind of unusual, I would say, like somebody for the for the area to have somebody so young. Um, and it absolutely but it's absolutely kind of what I'm super interested in because I felt like when I was young, I didn't sort of have that confidence of self to come out as a psychic. And I, I think come out is, you know, we used to use it in terms of I think we still do, for gay and transsexual and so on. But what I'm talking about is like it's almost like revealing an identity um and and i i just had this chat with you i was like wow um you sound amazing you just sound really amazing so can i ask you to tell us a little bit about your story i mean like you know where does it start for you that you realised there was some sort of uh, psychic potential as it were yes
1: yeah, it's a good confidence boost Yeah, it's a good confidence boost for it, Um, but in terms of psychic potential, so my story initially starts from nine years old, and I'm 21 for context of him talking about me being young, uh, but 21, and so when I was nine years old, I was suicidal and was threatening to put a knife to my heart, and that was, you know, doing that in the kitchen with my parents there,
0: and that was... Wait a minute, sorry, you you held a knife to your heart, or you're trying to push it into your heart?
1: held it there. I wouldn't say I was necessarily like actively pushing anything, but actively was actively doing things in front of my parents that would definitely raise some red flags.
0: Yeah, that's scary. I mean, them, did they freak?
1: Yeah, well, so I started going, they started putting me with a the therapist um, at nine years old with one that my mom went to when she was going through some postpartum depression. And so this therapist, I remember most of the time what we did was we just played with toys that she had and she would just have me draw things like Girl Scout cookies I was selling. I was a Girl Scout at the time and make these little dioramas with all these toys she had. And, you know, looking back at it, I couldn't say it. I don't know if it necessarily helped as much as I just wanted to. It was nice to talk to somebody as I didn't really have many friends at the time either. I was kind of known to be a bit bit different, older for my age, like an old soul kind of thing and always had this need to be, <clears> Tig <throat> like always had this need to be right and was very adamant about my beliefs and kind of knew really early on what I wanted for my life and what I want it to be. But that's kind of odd for people, especially at that young of an age, So like, who are you to say that?
0: Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, um, um, I think, I've been so often criticised for like, oh yeah, you know, he, he always thinks he's right, and I'm like, well, I don't, I don't even believe that about myself. But I don't always think I'm right. But there's some things that I know, yeah, like hello, I know, I just know it, yeah. Um, so that's an interesting comment you just made. Hmm.
1: Yeah, so that started out. I mean, most of the most like the biggest issue that made me feel suicidal at such a young age was just going around and being able to hear these voices about what other people were going through and feeling so much of other people's other people's junk and all the energy that they were going through. So I'd go ahead and I remember just getting things like this person just having a really rough time right now and their like back is hurting and this person is really stressing about how they're going to tell their wife something or stressing about how they don't feel loved at the moment and these really deep Kind of deep topics that were a lot to take on, especially at that age. And I kind of took it on as like this is my responsibility to heal. And I think like, that
0: was the so, biggest. So literally, story. can I just sorry? I'm fascinated. So because you know, um, for me, what was really important um, as a as a core value for my podcast is is there'll be a mum or a dad listening to this and says, "Wow, that's that's my Johnny or my Sally or whatever." Um, or my, Fa uh, or whatever you know. Like it can be any. It really is totally multicultural. I think it's part of our human experience. So when you said you heard the voices, was it like your voice? Was it uh, like an, a chorus of voices? I mean, how did it appear to you?
1: Imagine, imagine putting yourself in. I guess you could say like standing on a large field and at one end, there's you. And at the other end, there's something, but your back is turned to it. So there's something calling out at you. You don't, it's not necessarily you, but it feels like it's coming from somewhere else, but it's still kind of in the same field. Like it's there. You can hear it. It's there with you, but it doesn't necessarily feel like you and you don't know what's behind it. You can't see what's behind it. So it's kind of like that in a way that it was just not necessarily shouting, but had a very, large imprint on what my thoughts were and how i felt about life because it was just it was such a strong presence i didn't know how many there could have been 50 people behind there there could have been 10 there could have be two people but there's all this different voices and energy that was going on that was really just that was my world
0: yeah i mean i i find that you know typically we call that um in in psychology there's that term of positive hallucination yeah so positive hallucination like A negative hallucination is I can't see something in front of me. That means it's minus, yeah? And a positive positive hallucination is when something that other people say can't see or hear or whatever, I can. Um, And yet we do find that there's this, there is another, like for thousands of years there have been people that have heard voices who literally have led countries and who have, have led quests to, you know, improve humanity and of course then there's the other side of people who've greatly suffered by hearing voices you know in the mental health area so and and i imagine like if you're a teenage a teenage kid like you know let me say kid i not meaning in any um, no, go for it. having been one myself yeah um you know when you feel like i've got to heal everybody um that's that's like, a lot, yeah? Um, yes. Like, I mean, uh, I, I think that could make me feel, number one, is like, why am I getting this information if it's not to help them? And how how do I, you know? Uh, you know, I think it's it might be um, the equivalent to maybe somebody else, would you think, and this is a question, somebody else watching, like, Movies of people suffering all day, um, and seeing not there's a happy ending, but just oh, and the next day they're still suffering. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that make any sense? Is that kind of an analogy? Yeah,
1: it makes sense. Yeah, uh, yeah, it definitely makes sense in that way. I mean, part of it too, because I it is a thing that there are voices, and sometimes it's not anything. But when I started voicing those, what I was getting. And I've started voicing it to people, just random strangers, because it was another thing was random strangers would just tell me all their life problems instantly, <laughs> didn't even know them. It's suddenly they're just telling me everything. But when I would talk to them about what I felt in terms of maybe something's off in their body or what I heard, it would be spot on and things that you wouldn't know unless you actually knew the person. So that was the most confusing thing about it, because therapy at the time, and I went through multiple different therapists up until 15, uh, more traditional therapy. But with that, they each one of them said, like, yeah, this is this is going on for you. Like, we need to, it's not your responsibility to help them and you just need to like let that be, and we just need to let that rest. But at the time, like that was great, but it was dealing with it all. So it's like Yeah,
0: I mean, I I, I get that I get that that's like talking to somebody about football that's never seen a football match. Do do you know what I mean? Like that they're saying, "Yeah, yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, I get, I get it, but you're not supposed to do this, like wait a minute, you don't know how it feels when, right, and I know this, Yeah, somebody tells you a story and it's an energetic dump. Yeah, It just goes on top of you. And it's like, Whoa. yeah. Um, so, I mean, that would be very hard in a way to even listen to them. you like people who just, they don't even, you don't, wait a minute, you don't even know what I'm talking about. You don't understand energy or you don't, you've never heard these voices. So um, yeah, I can imagine that takes away. Did, did you feel it took away from that credibility?
1: I, it definitely took away from the credibility, but most of all, it made me feel more misunderstood and smaller than I felt I was. So it kind of felt like it diminished my whole experience as in this is wrong that you're experiencing this and we just need to, this, is just, this just isn't the right thing to do. You need to feel this way instead. You need to just block that out but I couldn't block it out. Like I tried what they did. I wasn't one person. I'm not the kind of person who um, doesn't act on something. It doesn't take action, but I took action on it. And I was like, this still isn't working. Like this isn't, this isn't helping. I still feel it. Like, what do I do with it?
0: You like, know, I mean, I can no. imagine that, you know, I've had this, you know, I've had mental illness in my family and yeah. you know, people have, have dealt with it in different ways. And I certainly like, I know, um, you know, there's been the, okay, well, let's get antipsychotics. Let's shut whatever's going on up. And the other question I have that's like, sorry, it's burning in me to ask you, of were you still suicidal at this time? Were you like, like, you're, I'm seeing them every week, I'm trying to do everything, and I'm still like, if, if, you, if somebody would just take me off this planet, I'd say, thanks, mate, that you've done me a favor.
1: Yes, I felt that way for basically from nine years old till 15 years old. And yeah, that's, for that.
0: That's for hell. That that's, yes that's yeah I'm really i mean i i uh having gone through a depression myself yeah i would call it and i told you you know my daughter uh, took a life at 21 and mm-hmm. um the the fallout from that showed me you know that what depression was like it's like i have a broken leg you can't see and by the way it's you know it's a multiple fracture it's a you know it's it's shattered yeah uh, my world is yeah. shattered, but you can't see it. You just don't. You think I'm just because I laughed at a joke, or because I'm still walking around. Um, and uh, that's that's In a way, I feel like there's a stigma for uh, mental health, and there's a double stigma for psychic uh, sensitivity.
1: Yes, it's a very, it's a very good way to explain it.
0: Yeah. So. So, did you get, uh, did you get, did they put you on um, antipsychotics or, you know, SSRIs or, you know, did they try and don't, uh, and I am not, I'm please, I am not, a, uh, I believe in uh, emergency dosing to help somebody. It's not, I'm not, I'm not a, like uh, trying to advocate uh, down with anything which is saving people's lives. You know, we just don't know. I think every case is case by case, but. But let's talk about your case, Stine, as you're here. You know, what was the approach and and what helped you?
1: I mean, yeah, like you, I mean, I've, I personally would not be one to take antipsychotics, but they do have their place. And so does different types of therapy. There's just different things out there. And it's just what what works for you. Um, But with this one, I think it was a consideration, but it wasn't something that was discussed with me, but I know it was kind of talked more between my parents and my therapist, Um, but with that I don't I I honestly like when I think about it because one of my first roommates was on she was on some form of antidepressants and pretty much all of my friends at university ended up being on antidepressants after school holidays came back like everybody was on them and the main way they described it was making them feel really numb and I think for me it only probably would have sent me even more spiraling because it was already feeling so much but then let's make it numb and then it's just now i don't feel anything or now i feel less like Mm. this and then it might just come in even more so i think for me so many kids
0: would have would have gone into drugs and alcohol i mean like you you didn't go there you didn't go into to take like just as you say like so many people they self-medicate but just drowning it with drugs Uh, Or alcohol. It's it's an accessible drug.
1: I mean, I wouldn't say drugs or alcohol. Um, I mean, the town that I grew up in is very known for everybody I knew in high school smoked weed. And I was the only one of a very small portion of kids who didn't. And mm-hmm. they talked, you know, that they gave them a kind of spiritual experience. It helped them with their emotions, and it gave them some kind of thing where they're able to talk to some spirit. And for me, I was like, I can already do this. Like, this doesn't mean anything.
0: <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> like, for I me. want to get them to shut up.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. I can't say the one thing, but I think this wasn't as much related to the to the depression, the voices part, but this was more related to. Um, being overweight as a kid because I was carrying on to so much emotional baggage from not just my own but other people Mm. Um, but I carried on to a lot of emotional weight and my dad grew up with his mom being very critical about his weight and calling him chubby and chunky all the time and so he was put on diets by his mom and my parents put me on diets too and my dad would tell my sister like your sister needs to get her lazy lazy bum off the couch and needs to go out and exercise. And I remember my sister would be eating like a bag of crisps or something. And then if I went to eat it, they'd say that my dad would say, no, you can't eat that, but only my sister could. So it was little instances like that that kind of made me rely more on sugar as a coping thing. But it wasn't necessarily as much the voice, as much as it was just the reaction of, being overweight
0: as a kid. Yeah, there's there's um there's of course there's you know family dynamic stuff and systemic stuff going on there. Um it sounds like you know like a father that's terrified of being sick is going to be subconsciously perhaps or energetically projecting his anxieties onto children which make them realities. You know that's that that's something which you know I think even modern psych psychology, um, accepts, you know, from the psychotherapy point of view, it, it can happen. And again, it, you know, we're not, we're not even, we're not, obviously we're not taught that as parents. We don't know that. Um, so, so what happened at 15? So what was the, why did 15 you suddenly, uh, change?
1: Yeah. So 15, 15, I hit a very, I think more consciously hit a very low point. And I'd been going to see therapists for over a year. And I tried different ones to try and see if I could find the right one. But it was just not working. And the school I was at, I'd been forced to speak to the school counselor. I didn't really trust her. I just have these little, I just know things about people. Like I just have particular people I don't just like no, this this person is not the person to help me, and I knew that about this side, this uh, counselor, but I was forced to speak to her by the school because, of course, you know, it's kind of drastic. Um, but she ended up telling other students what I told her in confidence, and so that kind of made me be quiet for a while, and so I think that made it worse and worse. The point of nobody gets this, I'm not being understood, and so that led to me just cutting my wrists for a good period of time, and then. There so when you say cutting your
0: cutting your wrist, yeah. you're you're self-harming. Yes. So it's and, and you know, just to put this in context, as far as my understanding of it, so you'd have mm-hmm. to correct me, but like is I'm uh how can I say it's derealization. I don't feel the world is real anymore. I'm so numb. I wanna feel something. Pain, I can feel. I can, I can, for that moment, I can feel, yes, this wow, I'm alive, I'm real. I, there is a me. Um, is that what it was?
1: Yeah, the whole point of there is a me because I was feeling so much of everybody else. It's like, where do I exist? Where's my body? Where's my feelings? Because I feel everybody else's but my own. Right. So it was a thing of like, oh, this is what I feel. I can make myself feel something.
0: Right, right. So it's in a way an expression like, finally, I've got some control. But I mean, it must have been like, you know, um, I mean, have these left stars? I mean, you must have like, really had quite nasty cuts to to feel something, I imagine.
1: Not necessarily. I mean, at the time, at the time, I kind of knew it was wrong. And I took it in the way that I wasn't that shameful about it because i think it's quite typical that you do something like that and you consciously try to hide it but i would go to the crossfit gym because i was i lost like 30 was it 30 pounds about 15 kilos at that point in time so i went through huge weight loss transformation Mm -hmm. um, and i was doing crossfit and in there i would just go and i just have them open and nobody would say anything I think that was my thing of like, hey, <laughs> is anybody gonna say anything? But I would go places publicly and just show it, and I was consciously doing it at the time. It wasn't like I stopped, but yeah, that yeah, that could, be a,
0: that could be like a subconscious way of crying for help. Um, and and I, it's interesting. I'm I'm curious. Like one of the big new moves, I don't know how new it is, but one of the big. Um, recognitions that's, that's more public at the moment is how exercise helps with mental health, uh, issues, you know, like just, just working out, just moving your ass as it were, you know, whatever, or whatever, you know, whatever it is, you know, running, moving, walking, uh, doing CrossFit, just even feeling your body, you know, with, with Tai Chi and yoga. And
1: so that was is a good point because I think it does it does help. But that was also a thing that the doctors are like, you should change this. And the therapists are like, you should do this. You should exercise, do that. And I did. Like I did. I lost the 15 kilos, 30 pounds. I did that. But I felt even worse. Like I it still it didn't make any of the issues go away. It didn't make them any less. So it's wow. like I've done this big thing. I've changed a lot of habits, a lot of lifestyle. Yeah. And this still hasn't changed anything. Like, what do I do now?
0: Right. Right. And, and you said like, you got into trouble because there was some counselor you wouldn't, or somebody you wouldn't shake hands with. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Telling yeah. Me, this right? Was,
1: yeah. So this was the day I absolutely cracked and this is kind of where things started to shift. Um, but I was at this, I got a full scholarship to, I call it like this rich kid private adventure school where we would go on like backpacking trips, we went abroad to Panama for two weeks on school trips. It was a pretty, pretty interesting kind of school. But there's this one teacher in particular who I just, I just did not have a good feeling about. Um, And, you know, (laughs) praise be, he ended up doing a naked yoga in front of, in front of the uh, students on a school trip, and got fired for it from some kids putting it on Snapchat. So he wasn't necessarily the most I want to say like sane guy in that way, but.
0: You had a vibe about him. You just didn't want to go near him. But you yeah, got like quite severely reprimanded for that action. They, they thought they couldn't understand. They couldn't relate it to something cognitive. That, so that it, instead of like, wow, she's got, a, she's got some information here. It's like, she's crazy. You know, she's, she's freaking out.
1: Yeah. So that was it. And I, I just didn't, I just didn't have a good feeling about him. The other kids loved him. Um, and I was like, I, I just don't like him. And he would shake our hands every day in class. And one day I was like, I just don't want to, I just don't want to like have physical contact. And so I said one day we wanted to shake my hand. I was like, no, thank you. And he got it going. He's like, what do you mean? No, thank you. I was like, I would not like to shake your hand. And of course, being a bit of the smart Alec, I was I said I feel your need to touch your students is excessive (laughs) which was (laughs) really really got to the man and this basically started a bit of a screaming match in school and so we were just yelling at each other and then he said we're gonna go downstairs right now because it was a two-story building in a synagogue because that was the only place the and school could find space where was a small school, really small school. My right. um, class size at that time was maybe 12 students. So it was really, really small. But we went downstairs. He was yelling at me like, you are disrespecting me. You are disrespecting the school. You're mm-hmm. disrespecting my teaching. Yeah. And I was like, but you, "You're. I don't want to have this physical contact with you. You're forcing me to do something I don't want to do. And big yelling match. And I just grabbed my bag and just left school that day and just walked straight out the door. And I walked down to the beach. It was really close to the beach and there's like a beach where I'm, where I'm from. And so I just walked along the beach for a while and take a, took a stick and started drawing all these cool symbols and things in the sand. And then I was approached by my mom and the school counselor. Mm. And from that point, they just asked me like, what's going on? You know, how are you feeling? And I was like, oh, yeah, here, you know, just showed them, uh, showed them my wrists and just told them, yeah, this is I'm I'm not doing very well. Uh, so they shipped me off to a counselor that day, kind of emergency. And the therapist or the counselor was like, she's really alternative. She has tattoos. Um, so apparently that was her definition of alternative.
0: But. <laughs> yeah
1: (laughs) but I went to her and she basically just said well you just need mindfulness like you just need to look at things and just say that's it let it go I was like that's what I've been trying to do this entire time and she didn't I I got in the car with my mom that day and I was like mom this isn't gonna work this is not this is not working and so she said you know what um our talent like I know some people that do this energy work thing how about we try that
0: Mm.
1: so it took us And we went to one person who took us to another We went to maybe four different people before I found my mentor that on the first session, which was just 60 minutes, I didn't really have to say anything. And she understood me more than anybody else could. And more than anybody else ever did in just that small, short period of time. And it was just an instant, an instant shift in me that was really immediate. My mom remembers telling me, she's like, yeah, she's like, I saw it on your face. It was just, it was just instant. Like everything just started to click and you just looked so much more relieved than you ever have before. And right. I worked with her for three
0: years. Right. So it was like, uh, you found your Dumbledore as it were.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, uh, that's, that's, that's so nice. Uh, can you, do you want to go back into that session that first session or where do you want to go I mean i I could go into like you didn't say anything was she literally sitting there just almost having a wordless conversation with you feeling
1: wordless? yes <laughs> yeah so she was just looking at me and just looking at me with one of those I don't know if it's I don't know what to compare it to but it's just that moment where you're sitting down with somebody maybe it's like maybe a good comparison is maybe when you're sitting down with your kid for when they're a baby or something, you just look into your eyes and you just see the whole world in there or something. Mm -hmm. And for her, when she looked at me, I was like, she sees me, like she sees me. And yeah, I had never been looked at in that way. That was just like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I see you. And she's like, she's, she was really psychic. And she's like, so you're feeling this right now. And you have all this stored within this place in your body. You feel all this upheaval here. You feel all these, like the exact language and words she used. I can't remember exactly what it was. I was just so in awe at the time. But it was just the exact words that I was feeling and I didn't have to speak. She just she just knew.
0: So it was kind of like meeting your, your mirror in a way that you've been feeling what has been going on in other people and you were able, like... You're able to know well, somebody gets me in the same way that I'm getting other people. And yes. that sort of took the pressure off, you know, like I'm not fucking I'm not, we're not supposed to swear on this, I'm so sorry. I'm not a nut <laughs> case. Yeah. Yeah, there's you telling me, oh, it's okay, Richard. No, it's me. Yeah, That's I've
1: been trying. <laughs> I've been like, me? okay, okay, back.
0: <laughs> way taking up way too much responsibility to... <laughs> anyway. Um yeah. It's like, you're not a raving loony. Yeah. Uh, this is, this is normal for some people in that some people are dancers, some people are, you know, painters and some people are feelers, you know, and, um, yeah, it's, if you don't know, you're a feeler as it were. And I, I mean, I, I like to use the word psychic. Um, cause I think it, it opens so many more doors to the, you know to, to our potential and say, Oh, yeah, you feel it's a feeler, yeah. Um, and and that, so was there like, um, was there like um, a moment where you realized because I think that's kind of what you want to be for other people now, Is that right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty much exactly it. And I kind of knew because I think in that way, I remember reading this letter that uh, our teachers made us write to us when we were in fifth grade and she would send it to us when we graduated high school and I remember looking at that letter and I got it and pretty much exactly what I said I was wanting to do in fifth grade I'm already doing and already was so I kind of knew pretty early on what I wanted to do for other people where I wanted to go
0: wait 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 tell us about that letter I want to hit can you like paraphrase it
1: well, basically, it was that I don't want to live in America, which <laughs> mission achieved. <laughs> I had a list of countries I'd wanted to go to. I've been to, there were five of them, and I've been to four of them so far. Uh, it was that I wanted to help people feel better and like make people feel better just by listening to them. And I don't want to listen to people. And so it was. Yeah, it was pretty much those core things. I think another one was to be uh, like a mountain guide or a fashion designer. And I'm like the least fashionable person I know. So that one was not (laughs) quite realistic.
0: Me? You haven't seen me. I I can definitely unfashion you on pretty much most days. I'm terrible.
1: I think I used to be, I used to be a lot more terrible. My boyfriend was telling me the other day, he's like, you've come a long way from when I first met you a couple of years ago. You used to wear like dark black pants that didn't even fit you and shirts that never even went or color coordinated. And now you're like, now you actually dress quite nice. It's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> understandable.
0: Yeah. I, I, I got a Like, I don't know. I got this funny thing. I bought, I saw these trousers in Hong Kong and I just really liked them. I bought a pair and they're so comfortable. So I went back and I bought five pairs. I thought these are really cool. And apparently like loads of people thought that I just wore one pair of trousers and I never changed it. And I was like, you know, but for me, it's, that's just it's like, it's how it makes me feel. That's, you know, that's so much my, my clothes. It's like, Oh, I like the feeling of the material on my body. That's, that's, it, it goes right up there in the, in the uh, order of priority, and of course, you know, you know that everybody's different, you know. So, yeah, and so um, I suppose, like, um, it, you know, it's it, what's interesting is uh, your experience is um, it's sort of incredibly dramatic, and then it isn't. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. Uh, there's no ghost. There's no. There's no, you know, levitation of things. There's no aliens. Um, and yet there is the, you know, the deep, I think of all of us, if we want anything, is to be understood, you know. There's no uh, social glue unless people can agree, you know, on reality in a way. You know, it's, it's sort of very much a basic, basic thing. Um, and then almost like it seems like it's almost like being born into a family, which isn't your family, you know? And I don't mean, I I absolutely don't want to take away from any of the love, you know, shared, but it's like, um, how can you get me if you don't, it's like, like I, I, now I'm talking way too much, but I mean, I think it's a bit like um, my whole family is colorblind and I can see color and I'm trying to tell them, yeah, it's like this actually. And they'll go, no, 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 it's not. I'm like, and then you meet somebody who's also not colorblind, and they go, "Yeah," and it's like I've been saying this for so long, and they don't get me, and it's not their fault, you know. It's not that they're wrong, and 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 again, I probably shouldn't use the you know colorblind, in that that is you know like uh, we can call that a problem, but um, but it's just sort of saying um, they don't really have a problem. It's just not their area of of or, or gift or talent or you know. Uh, perception perception opening um so but ha- has freaky stuff happened to you since you've been doing this
1: <laughs> well interesting that you brought up the family part because as i started to go more into the spiritual mentor part and i started to hone in on my own gifts my sisters my mom started finding more of theirs and my sister is a medium so she can speak to ghosts and then my mom she uh She's really good at the body. Like you can just sit in front, of, like she, what is it? You can just sit like sit in front of her and she'll be behind you. And she can just pinpoint without even without doing anything. The exact points in your body where you feel pain. And you didn't even know that you felt pain or tension there. But she's like, this point, then comes up over and like this point over here, and another one on your arm and on your wrist that connects to your lower back. So
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, you know, that's such an interesting thing because I find that in families where psychic gifts are, um, say suppressed, that it tends to, it tends to sort of be like a pressure cooker for one of them that kind of like has the meltdown. Um, and once you, um, once if you like, if, Once that pressure is taken away, it can either be taken away by the other one, like having to take on all the the responsibility of the gifts or everybody kind of like, okay, we're going to take responsibility for our gifts. We've been, because I I feel like we, do you know the term gaslighting? Yes. I I feel that we gaslight ourselves a lot. We say, we, we we think we know something and then we say, no, that's not possible. And then we look for confirmation from somewhere else and we say, yeah, that's how I know it. It's because of that. And actually, you know, we have an incredible capacity to know. You know, you you just have to look at the first, you know, 10 episodes. I have two people who work for the military um, that were, what you know, they were psychics for the military. They were psychic spies um, going, you know, one of the people, it's a wonderful movie um, called Third Eye Spies, which is all about, Pat Price, who was eventually cr- recruited by the CIA to go and, um, yeah, basically read uh, blueprints uh, in that were in locked safes and then draw them. So read the blueprint, draw them. I mean, he was, like, phenomenally uh, gifted in his uh, ability um, to know stuff. And um, so, you know, I mean, that's why I like... I don't want to... I don't honestly want a psychic renaissance i just want some people that are suffering to not suffer that that's all it's about for me um i think our society you know needs a long way to go before we're um you know um, at a point where we'll be able to you know accept these things so i don't want to push it yeah so has there been um have you felt like you you know you're in Finland now, which is like oh my goodness, Finnish is the most difficult language. So <laughs> how are you? How are you talking to your peeps? How are you talking to your people? Like finding people to do uh, spiritual mentorship?
1: Yeah, so my business is all online. Uh, Finns are not really into spirituality in this way. I would say that they're just. I think, it, I think it's like, I think it was 80-something percent of Finns belong to the Lutheran church or belong to church, but they do it more for tradition's sake than they do for actually beliefs and wanting to be in it. So it's not really, I don't have anybody that I know who's particularly into it here. Uh, there's one shop that sells like crystals and tarot cards and whatnot. And I really like, I really like that shop.
0: Are you um, in Helsinki?
1: No, I'm in Oulu, which is about two hours from the Arctic Circle.
0: Oh, Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's cold.
1: Well, yeah, I, yeah, it's cold. <laughs> I mean, I'm from the mountains back home, which is cold, but it definitely gets, what is it, minus, minus 25, you know, minus 30 sometimes.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's um a, a, that's cold. Yeah. That means you can start, you can put your frozen food outside uh, in the winter and you actually don't need to turn on the freezer
1: we do that sometimes. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I used to do when I lived in Beijing. You just put stuff out the window and let it just freeze. Outside. Exactly. Yeah, it gets cold up there too. Um, okay. So, um, so you've managed to get it online and, and are you mostly dealing with kids or are you dealing with adults? Like, what do you, what do you mostly?
1: Yeah. So mostly I mostly serve adults generally that have their own businesses. It kind of seems to attract the like Um, but mostly adults I have this uh, I need my podcast pretty absolutely after my business which is my clients could be my mom this is not meant to be like promotion or anything Um, but basically just because they tend to be like double my age at least and could be my mom so it's kind of it's kind of quite it's quite fun but um, usually people who have their own businesses going through some life stuff within trying to find out who they are and trying to deal with how they're feeling and have it be accepted versus, you know, saying that you're completely crazy for having these like feelings about things. So, yeah.
0: Right. And do you have, I mean, like, is there some sort of, do you feel like you want to, you want to um, develop this further in, or, you know, do you want to train people in it? Do you want to do a counseling sort of educational counseling uh, kind of education on, on higher education and, and try and, You know, what's the ideas? What's where does it go from here for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. So the training I got with my mentor was pretty much all about how to work with people. And she's been doing that for over 30 years now. So I had someone who was really experienced on working with people on how to work with people. So that was a really good foundation. And I've done um, right now I'm doing like a human design certification, just kind of trying that system out. Um, I've done life coaching, like NLP certification too. So there's that. Um, so there's that part of it as well. I don't know. It would be interesting to go. It would be interesting. I mean, it's, it's different with how it works in Finland in terms of <laughs> education system and how that would go. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of just developing. I know. I think, I think talking to people is quite simple. And there are certain cases where like, you should go to someone who has a bit more of a different background than I do, who possibly is more experienced, more clinical. There's definitely those kind of cases. Um, but most of the time, it's just being able to ask questions.
0: Yeah, it's I, 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 I question. didn't want to. Yeah I, um, yeah, I absolutely didn't want to. You know, I'm not trying to pull the rug from under your feet at all, because I feel like so many of the most talented people, um, they don't they learn. By by working and honestly working with somebody for three years, uh, who's worked with people for thirty years, uh, you know you can you can really you might call that uh, a university education of sorts. Um, yes, and, <laughs>
1: it's about the same length.
0: You no, know, I mean I remember you know I'd done uh, over thirty years of kung fu with the master and, and so on, and I and then I realised that nobody in the world recognised that as an education. And this was like a really traditional master that, you know, just gone into the depths, you know, of the body. And and yet you could you could get a dance, you know, degree and be a master in, you know, master of arts and dance, but you couldn't in something which was traditional or something which was passed from one person to the other. So I don't absolutely don't I don't think it's absolutely necessary, but I feel like there is there are all kinds of different ways that we can go. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're doing really wonderful, wonderful things. Um, yeah, brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming and sharing your story. I think it's a really, it's a quiet story, but it's a really, really meaningful story. Um, and you, you bring a lot of, um, you know, calm and peace with your story, which is really, you know, I acknowledge that and appreciate it.
1: Mm, A good confidence boost for today. Thank you.